Hello, marketing interns. Today's podcast is presented by MB Outdoors. MB Outdoors is an adventure, lifestyle, and apparel brand aimed at sharing the excursions taken on all trails outside the hustle of suburbia. They have teamed up with a handful of adventures. Declan and I, you know, we get out there, we adventure. Declan being out there in Colorado, got plenty of state parks to peruse around. Myself in Minnesota, the land of 10,000 lakes. I'm trying to wear MB Outdoors at every lake. You know, they live the brand values through these efforts to get out to game season opener and wander into the national park um, only in a National Park Geographic magazine. The MB Outdoor Ambassador Program hosts teammates of MB Outdoors who share the apparel and brand through their endeavors outdoors. Now, let me tell you this. You can join this team and represent all that MB Outdoors stands for by checking out the growing apparel lineup at mboutdoors.com or on Instagram at mboutdoorsofficial. And when you're perusing around the website, please check out every item that you so pleased to purchase. And when you do, I'm going to give you 15% off. When you use the promo code BACKPOCKET, that's B-A-C-K-P-O-C-K-E-T, and use this promo code, 15% off, you'll have a blast. Now let's roll the intro music. I'm just Today is April 10th, and the boys from the back pocket are back a day late, like last week, but we're back. How are we doing, Declan? We're consistent. This is our second week we've done a Tuesday podcast, and it's not really our fault. Third week. Third third week. Oh my god, we're running out of... I'm, I'm losing track at this point. Um, but we are definitely not going to continue to be a Tuesday podcast. Uh, allegedly, we're coming out with another episode on Monday, um, so that's great. Uh, but I'm doing great. Um, things are hanging in there. Uh, we're just kind of in the, uh, flowing and going stage of our senior year, um, wrapping things up, uh, just getting after it, but we're nonetheless staying consistent, staying diligent, uh, being podcasters. I think this episode is going to be one of the, it's unique in itself and it's going to be fun because we don't have a particular guest. However, I am the guest. I am going to be interviewed about my experience at the Masters this past weekend by Declan. And I'm just going to paint you a picture because you can't bring a phone into the Masters, so I couldn't take any physical pictures. But uh, when we get to it, I'll tell you some stories that hopefully paint a picture for you. Yeah, um, every, when everyone watches the match, when everyone watches the Masters, um, people don't understand what it's like to be a patron. Um, they can only dream to be a patron. They want to be there in Augusta. They want to be at Amen's Corner. But they don't know what the grind is and what goes into being a patron at the Masters. You mentioned the n- not having a phone. Um, there's much more to it. Um, and I can't wait to get after that, actually. It's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be a phenomenal interview. Are you, are you ready to be interviewed? I'm excited. First you, time. You ready to be put on the hot seat by uh, one of the back pocket guys? Oh, As a back pocket excited. guy? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but let's start the episode how we always do, uh, an average quality. Declan, let's take it away. Um, so this one is just fairly evident in our the past two weeks. Um, Andrew and I have struggled mightily with this, and it's quite shocking that we've struggled with it. But um, nonetheless, here we are. Um, and that is planning and writing everything down in our schedule. Um, not to brag, but we're busy guys, um, and it's tough. It's hard to get everything down on your schedule. Everything that I write down personally is regarding the is regarding this podcast, and I will always send it to you, and I'll put it in your calendar for you because mm-hmm. you know that's just how iPhones work nowadays. Technology is wonderful, but when we get other parties involved, that's when things go awry. I think we've we've established a. Pretty good routine, above average routine at figuring out what what times work for us and how to communicate that and like how to solidify a schedule. But when we begin to outsource, like you just mentioned, we struggle mightily. I mean, we we don't know how other people handle their schedules and they don't know how we do it. And so, a a perfect example would be housing for next uh, for June. We have two months to find a house where it's crunch time, and we need to find a place to live. We need a a new podcaster. We go into every. housing opportunity and look for a new podcast room and that's probably an, an, an experience in itself yeah we i mean that's a that's a totally separate topic of just how do you evaluate a podcast room um it needs to be small needs to be uh natural lighting 
um, and it just needs to be looking cozy and something that Andrew and I uh, consider sit in. I, I, I have a little bit more of an expectation. Like when I walk into that podcast potential room, uh-huh. I want it to. When I walk in there, I want it to feel like um, like breathtaking. Like what, what would you consider breathtaking? Uh, other places that you consider breathtaking. Um, Augusta National, uh, I would say. The Vatican. The Vatican. Oh, um, St. Peter's Basilica. Uh, When I walk into the Sistine Chapel and, you know, I look up and it's just so mesmerizing. Michelangelo, you know, he's got going on. Just phenomenal. That's what I want a podcast studio to seem like. Yes. Um, I mean, it's a struggle to find that. But I think the few houses that we've looked at have had potential. Have definitely uh, kind of fit that bill, at least. Yeah. I'm not I'm not going to, like, set my expectations too high, but I do want a podcast room that looks like this, or that feels like the Sistine Chapel. At least St. Peter's Basilica. At least St. Peter's Basilica. Yeah. Um, but backtracking, um, getting our schedules down, Pat. I mean, Matt Christensen, phenomenal job finding the housing. However, he's just throwing times at us left and right and not really being consistent with when it's always 6 p.m. on any day though like yeah. we're not always available at 6 p.m. I'm not a 6 p.m. guy yeah typically I, I mean I, I like to pride myself as a morning guy I'm more of a I'm not a 6 a.m. guy but I'm like a 9 a.m. guy mm-hmm. um but yeah 6 p.m. guy that's just not that's kind of when I eat um so yeah it's it's tough and then you throw in the travel schedules of the last few weeks like you're going to Colorado I went to Mexico Augusta like everyone's going left and right we had to deal with all those variables. That Actually, we're the only ones going places. Everyone else has been here, and it's just like, oh, yeah, that just throw a kind of a time on the wall, and like, yeah, hopefully it works for these knuckleheads. Exactly. And, and we kind of have to value, and we're like, all right, we got to go. And then when we schedule podcasts and we have that in the schedule, we're like, oh, yeah, that perfect that time works perfectly. Like, Andrew and I have been doing this for over a year of asking a guest what time works. We have our um, times, like, I know Andrew's time like the back of my hand, vice mm-hmm. versa. We set a time up. We know exactly when to do it. Andrew and I both do this together. We just throw it in each other's calendars, and, like, we rarely talk about it. It's like, hey, we're getting this guy on the, on the podcast. Cool. Mm-hmm. See, see you then. See you, know? see you in the times that we know work best. Yeah, but then when, when we get other people involved and they start clouding our calendars, then we just forget, like, when we have other things to do, mm-hmm. and then it just becomes a big old dumpster fire. But it's it's it is, it's. It's fun to the aspect of just being on your feet in FOAC. I mean, this is like we like we explained to you times before. You just have to be on your feet, and you have to be ready to figure out adjust and go. With urgency at all times. With FOAGU. FOAGU, absolutely. Um, and that's that cannot be cl- more clear in today's age. Mm-hmm. Um, but what can be a little more clear for our marketing interns is um, the patron's view at the Masters. Um, so the... The majority of this podcast is going to be dedicated to the Masters um, because we love, we're golf guys, we love the Masters, but more so we want to uncover the story behind what a, being a patron is like at the Masters. Not a lot of people um, get that experience. Um, just to begin, just to pre- premise or preface, preface, just to preface this, it you can't just go on StubHub, right, and buy tickets to the Masters. They you, are available. Oh, they you are. You can. However, those options are incredibly Like, how much expensive. would a ticket, if I were to go on StubHub and buy a ticket for next year's Masters right now, how much do you think Off the be? top of my head, like, I don't know for sure. You can fact check me marketing interns, but I want to say, like, a day pass is, like, 1500 Wow. Okay. But, and how I understand it, too, is, like, there's this really long waiting list for people to get tickets at face master. value. At face value, which is like how much is how much are those? Seventy five dollars. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So it's a it's a long, tedious, and stringy process because once you get your family name like in the running for the masters tickets every year, you haven't for the rest of your life, right? Yeah. So how it works in my family, I've been fortunate enough to be born into a family that has master's tickets. I mean It's like born into royalty. It's literally born into royalty. That's you're a, a Targaryen. Way to you're a Targaryen. Put it. Yes. I have the golden blood. Um or the green blood. Sure. Well, however you want to say it. The green blood, yeah. yeah. Um, so my grandmother has two tickets per day. Two for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And she has, every single year the Masters rolls around, she has the opportunity to buy those tickets again. She's the, And then if she doesn't, then she would lose those for, the, for her life, and they go back in the lottery. Okay? And if she passes away at some point, um, which is, it's just the reality, right? She cannot will that to the next generation. They immediately go back into the pool. And then the people that have been waiting in line for endless time will have the opportunity to buy them and their name will be drawn. Yeah. So that's guys like me. So this year I took it under my family's will, the Brown family's now, um, 
in the waiting line to get Masters tickets. So I'm hoping by the time at least like my 50th birthday that I can get the Masters tickets at face value. But side note. Anyway, so. That's exactly what I'm doing too. Okay. Just because why not? I mean, granted, um, it's a long shot, but you're not, you wouldn't have that opportunity if you didn't try. Sure. So my name's in the running, your name's in the running. So hopefully when we're 50, we can go together. Yeah. Maybe we can podcast there. Yeah. That would be an an experience. At like the Hooters, like right next to the. With John Daly? Yeah. With John Daly. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm planning on. Okay. Um, We could just go there now and podcast with John Daly because he's right outside the the venue and you can't. He literally just sits there. In an RV. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. But uh, back to the master story. So my grandma has two tickets. So um, my two brothers and my father went to the Masters Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and were able to experience uh, Mecca of golf. That's awesome. Um, and then how were you able to get the other two tickets? We got those from a family friend, and that was at, we had to purchase those tickets. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So you can sell them um, to other people. A lot of corporate uh, have tickets. So if you work for, like, um, Mercedes, they're a sponsor of the Masters, they get a boatload of tickets okay. because they're a sponsor. Like, so certain companies that are sponsors get tickets as well. So there's a, a, a motivation if you want to work for, like, IBM, Mercedes, like, the really, like, uh, luxury brands, I'd say. Yeah. They ha- or Rolex. Rolex, yeah. Those are the brands that are... Um, sponsored that sponsor the masters and then they'll get you can get tickets through that so uh i'll shout out to all the hotshot college kids that are looking for a job maybe go work for mercedes or ibm or rolex yeah just a thought just a thought yeah before we get to that interview with our masters patron let me quickly tell you about the skyline specs he was wearing all weekend out on the golf course during his unbelievable experience um these skyline specs Um, have established themselves as an unbecoming premium brand in the Twin Cities, as well as other cities like Los Angeles, Denver, Chicago, all kinds of different places. Um, Skyline strives to connect people to their community through products that demonstrate hometown pride. They do this by engraving the city skyline onto their premium line of wooden sunglasses. Now that I got you hooked, where you got to go? You got to go shop their full selection online at www.skyline.com. SkylineSpecs.com. That's S K Y L I N E S P E C S. And use the promo code BACKPOCKET. You guys all know how to spell that. That's us, the BACKPOCKET, for 15% off. Um, in addition to that, go ahead and give Skyline Specs a follow on Instagram for any sort of pop ups, specials, and latest news. And that's Skyline underscore Specs. Go check it out and let's get to that interview. Paint the picture for us. Um, it's Thursday morning, opening day. I mean, they have the par three stuff on Wednesday and mm, the day before practice uh, rounds. Yeah, practice rounds. I don't. You weren't there for that, correct? Correct. Okay, so Thursday, first day of the Masters. It's in the morning. What time did you wake up? So on Thursday, we didn't we didn't go on Thursday, but okay. on Friday, Friday, um, we we arrived into Atlanta at 10 p.m. on Thursday night. Drove to Augusta, stayed in an Airbnb like 20 minutes away. Um, fantastic Airbnb. Uh, so thank you. Can't remember your name, but the Nugent. They were the Nugents. The Nugent family. Yeah, I remember it because I thought it was Ted, Ted Nugent. Nugent. Yeah, as of course. Yeah, we're right there. He right was there. a uh, Hawaiian because he had a bunch of he had pictures in there and like a bunch of lays layouts and stuff. But so you got there. I got there. Airbnb, great guy. Um, and arrived the next day on Thursday. Um, Patrick and my dad went in the morning and saw the. Um, the first session of Friday, because my dad has been several times. So he's the experienced master's He's guy. the true green blood. He knows. He John knows what's there. When you walk in there, he knows what to do. He's not the guy walking like, where, where how do you find six? Like, where is Amen's corner? Where do you find 15, 16? What's the best angle? Like, he knows everything. So he walked in with Patrick in the morning with the two tickets, and they took the morning, got the routine down. Then Patrick and I switched um, badges. So I went in the afternoon to learn the routine that my father has learned through them his many times. Just learning the process. You gotta learn the process. And he, we scouted out all the areas and he told me what's the best to look at because, um, as a patron, you can't see all the action, but when you want to see, when you want to get the right angles, you need to know when to get there and what spot to be in. Because when it's crunch time, when it's moving day on Saturday or when it's the final few holes on Sunday, you need to place yourself in the right spots or else you're not going to have an angle or you're going to have not a very good angle versus the best angle possible. So my dad was giving me all the, the rundown and everything. The coolest thing at the Masters is the rules going into it. 
So, which I didn't realize how strict, like, everyone just abides by the rules, no questions asked. Like, there's no one even thinking about breaking them. And that's because of just the rich tradition and it being, like, a country club type atmosphere? That definitely plays a factor. And also, in the back of everyone's head, your badges can be taken away from security for life. Like, if you break, uh, some, not all the rules, but so- certain rules, like, if you break it, say goodbye to your badge and it's going back in the lottery. Okay. Um, some of the rules are no phones inside Augusta. So what do you do about that? Just keep it in your pocket? Don't even bring it. You Don't have, even bring so it. you walk through security and you have to take everything out of your pockets and put them um, through the thingamajigger. Sure. And uh, then the other thing is you can only bring in um, one chair per person and the chair can't have armrests. So you take out your chair from the bag and you put it on the table and they just make sure it's all good and then... You walk in, so they the security is I wouldn't say is super strict. Like they're not like patting you down and stuff like a, like a TSA line, but it's like it's like a normal sporting event. Sure, um, security. Uh, yeah, but so when you say you have your phone on you and you put it through there, did they like question you about it? Like why do you have your phone? You can't bring it in. You, they, oh, you, they just, you, there's lockers and stuff on this. Like you have to go oh. over there and like. Wow. Uh, like, um, buy a key and stuff and, like, put them away. Okay, so it's, yeah, best we, just we left to them save in the car. money, not to even bring it. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. Leave them in the car. Um, so that's one rule. No phones. Chairs can't have armrests. Can't wear your hat backwards. One chair per person, yeah. Can't wear your hat backwards. Yep. Um, that's just a funny one. Uh, <laughs> another rule would be no running on the premise. Uh, they have security guys... A decent amount that will, like, hey, slow down, buddy. Like, you'll, you'll see the action. So if it's you're like st- you're at the pool. It's totally like you're at the pool. There's a bunch of lifeguards around making sure you're not going to slip and fall. But in reality, you just can't run because it's disrespectful to Augusta. Yeah. And uh, so you're you're power walking and you're pushing the limits of running. So you're, you're picking up your knees as, as much as you can and trying to get that pace going. Um, but you don't. You can't. You have to have one foot on the ground at all times. You can't be. You know, calves are burning. Calves are burning for sure. You, you become a, an Olympic an Olympic power walker at Augusta. That's cool. Which is, yeah, there's a fun fact. Sign me up. Um, And so then you bring your chairs in and you place them where you want to see um, the the best pairings come through at certain holes. So, and that's all subjective too. So like you're a tiger guy, you're going to go watch tiger as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Um, But you still, nonetheless, it's not just like aimlessly following tiger through his whole one through 18 it's like you set yourself up at certain different areas and then watch all those pairings come through and then watch tiger exactly where you want to watch yeah you have to be super savvy okay so you you come in with so we had two tickets on uh, friday and saturday so we bought we brought two chairs in and then we bought two more chairs because you can only bring in two chairs one chair per person one chair but once you're in you can buy as many as you want yes okay um but then the next day you can only bring in the chair chair people you have so you can't set up chairs overnight Correct. Okay. So we we immediately go to Amen's corner and set two chairs on um, uh, 12's tee box, 11's green. And so you can see the whole 12th hole, and then you can see the incoming shot on 11, and then the putts on 11. Amen's corner. Beautiful. And then you shut, you, we put two chairs on 15, 16, so you could see the incoming shots on 15, the par 5, across the water. Tee off on. Potential eagle, and then watch the tee off on 16, par 3. Um, so... A tidbit that I learned that I loved about the Masters, or loved about probably any golf tournament in the future, would be finding spots where you can see a full par three, and then an incoming shot in the putts of another hole. So you're like looking at, there was a three-four combo, so on three is a par four, you're watching the incoming shots on three, and then you turn your head and you see four and you, the par three, and you got the whole um hole to watch yeah because it's a short it's a short it's a distance. distance always bring binoculars just in case because you know the ball is tinier in person than you think people forget about that mm-hmm. there's no shot tracker in real life when you're a patron big time big time move is buying binoculars no shot track this is not uh, joe buck on fox like painting you the perfect line yeah. you have to find that line wow um so we set up chairs and uh no one moves the chairs wherever you put them you will have those chairs guaranteed when you come back to those chairs. And that's just like an unwritten rule. Like maybe people will sit in your chairs, but you can just ask them to leave, right? Yeah, you walk and up has, to And like these chairs like have your name on them, I assume? Yeah, we put uh, name tags on the back in an orange bright color because there's all every chair is the master's green chair without armrests. Like everyone b- buys those chairs or brings them from the past. Can you just bring like a random like orange looking chair? Just like a random off color one? Or do they like switch you out? You know, I want to say you can okay. like, if it doesn't have armrests, but everyone just understands that like 
they re- the Masters really wants it to be uniform. Like okay. when they when they pan the cameras across the patrons, they want it to seem like everyone's wearing and doing the same thing. And it definitely looks like that. Mm-hmm. So they do a good job. For the most part, I saw only green Masters chairs. That's sick. And uh, so maybe it is a rule you can only use green Masters chair. Yeah. I don't know. But you didn't test it. I did not test it. Um, so you, if someone's sitting in it, you just walk up and say, hey, sir, I, these are my seats. And they were like, hey, man, great, great spot. Enjoy. And then they you crushed it with yeah. the seats, man. I, I enjoyed them for the couple minutes I was in. Looks <laughs> <laughs> literally like perfect shot. You, you have a blast here. They'll, they'll, they'll make sure to make a note of that. They're super respectful, okay. which was very cool. Um, so that, those are some of the rules that you have to abide by and make sure that you follow because everyone else is doing it. So there's really no like pressure to break yeah. those rules. So there's a lot of, that's awesome that there's like that much tradition. I didn't realize that mm-hmm. the, the food is super cheap. Egg salad sandwich, dollar 50 pimento cheese sandwich, dollar 50, um, barbecue chicken sandwich is two bucks. Um, domestic beer was four import was five. Um, so it's not bad. Water's a dollar chips are 50 cents. Like w- Patrick, Matthew, and my dad would buy food, all of us. And it'd be like $20. Yeah. So how, um, that's another question. So like once you get in in the morning, you know, you, you make your rounds, you go to six, you go to 15, um, you make your way to amen's corner. We'll, we'll go more in depth on your process when we, for, I'll start talking to you about Sunday. Cause that was just a day of its own, right? Yes. Um, but like Friday and Saturday, I know you guys were splitting like morning afternoon, but how do you mix in lunch? Cause like you're there and you want to watch all these golfers. You're setting, you're setting yourself up at like six, whole yep. six or something. And you just, you're locked in, right? Yeah. How do you find the time to eat? This is where the Masters thrives beyond any other golf competition. Granted, I've only been to two. Um, this is my second golf tournament. Um, but the way they set up food is the most efficient process. Like, they've definitely taken an ops course at, at a business um, school because they know exactly how to be efficient. Okay. They have all the food ready in a line. Um like put in slots so you walk down the line and you just grab what you want drinks are already made for you so if you want a coke like there's coke line like filled up coca-cola filled up diet coke filled up beers fill up water and you just walk down and you grab exactly what you want no one's ever waiting for anything mm-hmm. and then you walk straight like the line never stops and it, sometimes it's long sometimes you can walk right through and they have plenty of lines going through the concessions yeah and then you pay and you're through like that's a five-minute process. They want the patrons, the patrons, to experience as much golf as they can, and they make that process super efficient. So then, how about um, are you allowed to eat and like walk around the course? Yeah, you can eat anywhere. Oh, that's kind of shocking to me with all the rules that they have. That's a good point. <laughs> but uh, and then I'm sure they have like a lot of trash cans for you to throw your stuff away, and like yeah. that's they keep the course clean. Keeping the course clean is that's uh, one of their priorities. Right? Okay. Awesome. Bathrooms. Everyone has to go to the bathroom, right? Yeah, sure. I would assume so. Sure. Um, that's another process. So efficient. Like, beyond efficient. They they got the uh, process down pat. It's probably the only place that I can think of in the world where the men's line is 30 to 50 times longer than the women's line. Yeah, because there's not as many women there, right? I mean, just in general, the demographic is probably, what, 80% men? 80 to 90 percent it's just a big old dude fest it is totally and the women can roll it's like a roll all door for their bathroom and we're standing in line and they have it roped off and they have a guy holding the sign like bathroom line starts here and he like he like weaves the people around to make sure you stay out of like everyone's walking way and like pushes like there's roped off areas before the bathroom and then when you get outside the roped off areas there's sometimes a line no way. and like he's like guiding you with the sign like hey line starts all the way back here and he's holding it and then when you get in there he, there's people inside the bathroom making it even more efficient. So there's someone at the door, and he goes, one's head in, two's on the wall, one's head in, two's on the wall, like making sure that the, there's no uh, blockage inside the bathroom. So the people go and take a pee. <laughs> ones and twos. Ones and twos. It's <laughs> so simple. The Binary. ones can walk in and move right in, right move along, and the twos have to wait on the wall because they have to wait until a stall. Because there's stinky twos. There's stinky twos. And then there's someone down by, like, the urinals and by the stalls, like, pointing at the people coming through. And um, it's hilarious because the people that are waiting there are um, pointing you, like, empty spot here, empty hole here. Come on, um, hit your second green over here. And then, like, pointing you over at, like, the, the stalls, like, empty stall over here. Like, they're making sure that you don't walk in and you're trying to find the spot. Like they Just being, like, a drunk idiot? Yeah. No one's drunk. Okay. Can't be drunk at the Masters. Okay. Maybe they are. I just yeah. You I just, just I just don't think that's even that's just an unwritten rule. Yeah. Okay. Um, but 
they just put you in the directions that you need to be. It's hilarious. Efficiency at the Masters is one of their main um, points of emphasis, and they okay. definitely follow through. What's your best bathroom story? Because I know you have one. Uh, best bathroom story. I'll let you f- figure out the GoPro real quick. Yep. Thank you. Best bathroom story would be um, that the whole process going through, I was in awe of like how it worked. And You're just a kid at a candy shop. Kid at a candy shop. Wait, pee. I didn't take it too eat. They put me on the wall. And and I thought it was the most fu- the funniest thing ever. I've, everyone taking a pee is walking right past me and laughing because they know you're about to go in there and take a poop and they can like, they're just snickering at you. Yeah, they're snickering. There's a line of like seven uh, or eight people. Have fun with your poop. Yeah. And uh, one guy was um, kind of embarrassed by it. And he, he, pardon my French, he called it shit shaming. Ooh. Because they're putting you on the wall. So you're getting shit shamed. Yeah. Wow. I, I got shit shamed. And I thought it was the one of the, my favorite experiences because I've never been shit shamed in my life, and that was you're like at the a, masters. You're like you're like a kid in, in, in timeout. Like <laughs> that's awesome. Like hey, go stand on the wall, man. Like you're you should have pooped before. You need to have a routine. Like if your routine's any time when you're at the masters, you're wrong. You're wrong, and they'll put you on the wall for it. That's awesome. And like you know, what's the worst. Also, like just side note about just bathroom is like when you're in a line to like take a poop. And, like, you have to sit down and the seat's warm. And you're like, someone just destroyed this toilet yeah. before me. Like, that's just, a, that's just a crappy feeling. It's a sad feeling. No pun intended. Luckily, at the Masters, they have a person cleaning off the toilet seat before you walk in, after every person leaves, and before you walk in. Oh, my God. Just when I thought I had the Masters with something that wasn't good, they just returned it. They right. returned the favor. Oh, my God. That's phenomenal. So that was pretty much like a wrap-up of like your Friday and Saturday because you went afternoon both days, right? Correct. Okay. Uh, but there was, a, there was a few experiences in there, like actually watching the, watching the golf. So my favorite thing to do was follow someone to a – follow someone that not many people were following to a certain hole and had a great view and then staying there for all the – For the, the rest of the people. The rest of the people, the people that everyone came to see come through. Um, so you kind of get like a head, you get like the spot you want before everyone else gets the spot. Yep. Okay. So, uh, one of my favorite holes was six par three and standing six is heavy at the tee box, which you don't realize that the masters is the hilly aspect of the map. It's like beyond the TV could ever depict. It's the elevation difference between the tee box and a green and the fairways, like the flat surface you can find at the masters might be a, a table length. It's, really? Everything's hill. Everything's slanted. So everything's when you're standing hill. or like in a chair, you're just like on the side you're, of it. I mean, and granted, it's not going to be like sided like you're horizontal, yeah, yeah. but you're not on a flat surface. Right. It's and tough on the knees, tough on the calves. Tough on the calves. Oh. Big calves tournament. Okay. Um, but at six, that, the tee box is like 100 yards elevated up, and you're standing below at the green, and you can watch the, the ball coming in. And it, we watched on Saturday, like, the final eight pairings come through, yeah. and this is the Saturday that everyone went low, like... Moving day. Moving day. They were shooting 65s, 67s. It was incredible. And Jordan Spieth was playing a little slow, uh, as he always does. And this is... You're, you're, and you're not... You're famously, like, not a Jordan Spieth guy. I I don't appreciate his nuances. I love his game, but his... his he's got a... He rubs me the wrong way. Let's he just uses his caddy that too much. He... Just takes forever to take a shot. And he, he, just he, he talks to his ball when he's putting, and he always puts, and then he immediately walks right at it, and he puts his hands in the air like it was someone else's fault. Um, <laughs> I don't know. He just rubs me the wrong way. I love it. I love his competitiveness. Sure, but I'm not going to be cheering for him at, on Sunday. Gotcha. So on Saturday, the, on the uh, sixth hole, he pars it, pretty good uh, first shot, and then two putts on the green. And he ha- he probably has one foot off the green, and playing behind him is Rory McIlroy, who's notorious for playing fast. And Jordan Spieth takes one step off the green, and this is something that you probably wouldn't be able to experience on TV. Like, you right. had no idea this happened. Right. Jordan Spieth just gets off the green, and Rory takes his six iron out and puts it two feet from the hole 
as Jordan's leaving the green because he's playing so fast and he's like, "Hey Jordan, I'm up your butt like and I'm playing really well. Get going, get going." And sticks it and the the crowd just erupts in like laughter and like incredible excitement for the shot and then Jordan like turns around and he shakes his head. It was one of the my favorite moments because Matthew and I were sitting there right there like, "No way. Like, he just shot like he was not following golf etiquette on that, but he wanted to make a point and those are like the And he's a professional golfer, so he's not like worried he's going to hit Jordan. Like he's going to stick that ball wherever he wants to stick it. Exactly. Not to mention, isn't six, isn't that like a 240-yard par three? Um, Which hole is that? That's three. Or okay. no, that's four. Four. Okay. But granted, six is long itself. And yeah. um, those are like the, those ga- the mind games that the players are playing with each other. So that actually happens, though. That like happens full heartedly. Wow. That's mm-hmm. so awesome. Did you follow uh, Tiger at all? I was able to follow Tiger a lot on Sunday morning because he teed off early. Right. And then earlier than the leaders, obviously, because he wasn't playing as well. So, granted, everyone still follows Tiger, but there wasn't as many people on the course because he teed off at 11, and people and the leaders didn't tee off till 2.30. Right. So, there was people coming in till that point. Okay. And I posted myself up at 3 and 4, uh, like I had mentioned earlier, and watched Tiger come in on 3, and he, he bogeyed 3. And it was kind of a bad bogey, and he came to four tee box, and I was sitting in a kind of a dead zone in between the tee box and the green, where I could have an angle of both, but I wouldn't be like up close to where everyone wanted to be because you you sit right in front of Tiger when he's teeing off, and you sit right when I'm him at the green on a par three. Right. But while he's walking, no one's going to be there because it's just no one's going to hit it's it. It's a there. dead zone. It's yeah. a dead zone. So people clap for Tiger, but while he comes to tee box and after he tees, and when he's coming up to the green and after he puts. Um, so I was in a dead zone. He hits a incredible shot on four and puts it probably six foot, six feet left of the hole for a birdie putt. And this is the 240 par three. Okay. Um, so this very impressive, very impressive. And everyone goes nuts for him because he just bogeyed. He came back with a strong shot there and people were going nuts. He's walking in the clapping, the clapping had come to a, a halt and I'm standing right there and I look right at tiger and I say, hell of a shot tiger. And he just turns to me, and he grabs his cap, tips it, and uh, says, thank you. And I turned to my dad, and I just gave him the biggest high five. Like, <laughs> that was the most rewarding feeling I could possibly have. Just like the Tiger fanboy, like, just totally, like, fulfilled. Yeah. Just, that's awesome. That's phenomenal. And that was on Sunday, right? That was on Sunday. Okay, so, so he's wearing the Tiger red. Yeah, Tiger red, like, vintage moment. Mm-hmm. And didn't he, I remember you telling me, didn't he, like, do the same thing to your... To Patrick so he or did, Matthew? He did it this uh, Patrick on Saturday um, got the same reaction from Tiger. So I learned from him. He told me exactly what he did on uh, 8 and 9, and he got the same, like, tip of the cap, thank you. And so during, like, a dead period, I was like, all right, I need to capitalize on that because right. that is, like, my dream is just and Tiger, like, he, like, <laughs> looked, he looked in my area. He didn't, like, he didn't, like, know it was me who said it, but, like, but he, he turned to me. I was the only one that said something, so he said thank you to me. Yeah. Uh, so he, he did, allegedly. Um, no, it was me. Yeah. And uh, so Patrick got it, so I was like, I need that. So I did the same thing. It was just hell of a shot, Tiger. So your family is now, like, blessed by Tiger, who's been a multiple, like, Tiger knows your family. I think point. we've been anointed. Yeah. To the Tiger family. Definitely. Yeah. That's phenomenal. So that was on Sunday. Walk me through the final day. I want to know that process. Sunday at how, the Masters. How that was just cr- that's the best day to be there. That's the best day to be there. It's truly a tradition unlike any other. I mean, you hear that all the time from the TV commentators and the commercials and stuff. Yeah. Jim Nance. Jim Nance. It is, it is so special, and I... First off, very thankful and grateful sure. for the opportunity. Let that be known. Right. Um, but a little bit about my day. Got up at 5 a.m. to get to the course at 5.30, and the gates don't open till 8 a.m. Oh my, so you're like two and a half hours before? Two and a half hours before. Oh we, so there's a north gate and a south gate. Uh, the north gate is like where everyone comes through, um, where the pro shop is, and 18th green, and one's tee box. Like That's all in that area. Yeah. So that's kind of definitely more heavily populated. Um, we went to the south gate where you can have a quicker access to Amen's Corner because that's where we wanted to put chairs. We wanted to be front row watching the guys come through on Amen's Corner. And so we knew that we had to get there super early. We got up there at 530, and the line was already 100 people deep. And 
like everyone's sitting in their master chairs and they have it in a perfect like it's not like a hodgepodge of people pushed against this gate they had security at five in the morning ready to like again like the bathroom line the line guy the line guy they do the same thing and you have to be in chairs of 12 by uh rows of 12 right so there's only can be 12 chairs in the row yeah granted there's more space for people but you're not allowed to be in that area you have to be in in chairs so it's like 12 12 12 yes so we were far we were in the second flight of people that they let in at 8 a.m and we got there at 5 30 a.m so we sat in our chairs without the sun and it was actually really cold and i didn't realize how cold it was going to be in my shorts and like little quarter zip and i was freezing at 5 30 in the morning ready for a long day on sunday to get there to beat we were going to be there we knew until like six seven o'clock right and we got up at five so that in itself was bananas i didn't expect to be doing that so you're there at the course for like 13 hours Easily. Yes. Maybe we, even 14. We got to the course at 5.30, and guys didn't tee off until um, 10.30. Oh, my God. So you're there five hours before they even tee off. Okay, so you get in at 8. You get in at 8, and my dad and I... So you can only bring in four chairs, because we have four people. My dad and I grabbed two chairs apiece, and Patrick and Matthew were chairless, and um, they had a different plan. Our plan was to get all four chairs at a men's corner in the front row. So we... Power walked. Power walked, head down. And there were several times the security guys, whoa, Nelly, slow down there. And then we're like, good morning, sir. And just kind of like trugged along, like, you know, it recognizing that we need to slow down, but we're not slowing down because we need to get these chairs placed. <laughs> That's like my favorite part. I wish I was there for that. And to see everyone speed walk. <laughs> speed walk. It's so funny. And you got like the people that are moseying in and it's like, what is, what's your why? What's your purpose? Yeah. <laughs> it, I didn't understand that at all. But we gunned it as fast as you could to Amen's Corner and got actually the second row because people beat us in with the first tier. Just a little faster. A little faster, which was a bummer. And they got there earlier. I wouldn't say they were faster, but they got there earlier. They earned it. Um, the funny part is people actually pay other patrons to go in and put chairs down for them. That's because they make making business. Right? So you say, hey, I'll bring in this chair. Give me $400 and I'll give you a front row at uh, Amen's Corner. Like that happens. You can buy people to do that. At, um, on eBay and stuff. Oh, like Craigslist for sure. Yeah. Uber needs to get ahead of that. Uber green chair carriers. It, they'd be called Gruber. <laughs> and you would just, you would, it would be some guy at the Masters that would, you'd just call your Gruber and he would have, bring your chair to your location and then they would have multiple Grubers. So if you had four, a party of four, you'd have each Gruber ready. You'd call four Grubers and they would all go through and put your chairs down. And you not only get to put the chairs down, but you get to walk the course for a little bit, and then you, yeah, you enjoy get, yourself. You enjoy get, yourself. get a coffee. You get a coffee and you come back, and then you give your give your your badge back to the to the patron, and, uh, and they go enjoy your your seats that you sat. And then for you them. can go hang out with John Daly at the Hooters. He just made four hundred bucks. Let that known. We're gonna start the Gruber idea. Gruber idea, because John and Sarah already knows he has the advantage over everyone. He knows how to get there and what to do. And you want you us. want John and Sarah as your Gruber. Yeah, he, you want John as the capital G Gruber. So he's like the the knowledge guy, the master Gruber. Yeah, and then we he's be got the, the routes for each Gruber. Like, hey, when they tell you to put chairs on thirteen, this is how you're going to do it, and this is how you're going to get there. Right, and then he's going to talk to lowercase G Grubers. That's us, and we would just be the walkers, the yeah. speed walkers, the speed walkers for them. Yeah, um, they don't call us runners because we're not runners. No, we walk. Okay, so you're at. Back to our Amen's Corner. So yep. you get your four chairs at Amen's Corner, second row, successfully. Successful. Matt and Patrick do what? They go to the pro shop immediately and buy two more chairs. Okay, so now I have six total chairs. Correct. Okay. Those two chairs, we had not really took it, taken in number two yet, par five, Eagle Bull Hole. People can make an early move. That's what it's called. The second hole is called Eagle Bull Hole? No. Oh. It's an Eagle a Bull Hole. Like you can get Eagle a, Bull. Eagle okay. a Bull. Okay. Yeah. I get it now. Sweet. People tend to eagle that whole morning. They have a chance to okay. eagle. Gotcha. That would be a better way to phrase it. Um, so Patrick and Matthew set two chairs. They actually got row three because they had to buy chairs. So that slowed down the process. They got row three at number two. And um, we put two chairs there. So Patrick actually sat in that chair from VJ Singh, the first person to tee off, all the way up until Rory and Patrick Reed. He saw every single group pairing at, two. at number two come oh through. And he said... The best eagle putt chance from all the groups was Vijay Singh, the first player to come through. He had, um, actually, there might have been, no, there was no eagles on number two that day. And Jeez. 
VJ Singh had the best opportunity. And he was the very first person. And he was the very first person to come through. That's crazy. Rory actually had an incredible opportunity to birdie there, which was um, truly phenomenal. Um, the place, well, one thing that needs to be known is I think the fans that were not at the course, that are not patrons, were um, cheering again, for, for anybody but Patrick Reed. But really on the course, it was the same way. Like you could truly feel the energy towards every other golfer Except besides for, Patrick Reed. People wanted when when they saw Jordan Spieth scoring, they wanted him. So to how because so how's that? Like when you're watching the Masters on TV, you get to you watch the featured group stream and it's back and forth between the Patrick Reed pairing and with Rory and Jordan Spieth and I forget who Justin Johnson maybe. The guy was really skinny. Mm. Um, athlete, though. Athlete, sure. And Ricky Fowler. So those are like the three that I was watching all day, just back and forth. So you keep track of Spieth and watching this amazing run. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking like the whole time, like, oh, man, Andrew's first and first first Masters. Like, Spieth is going to, A, break the, the course record and come back from nine shots to win the Masters. Like, Andrew would hate that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it didn't end up doing that. But how is it for a patron when, like... Patrick's locked in at hole two the entire day. How does he know? I mean, besides them just putting up the score on the board, on the leaderboard, like how do they know or how do they feel that energy of like, holy cow, is Speed making a comeback here? Yeah. Like, how do they know the story? You, it's all about murmurs Ooh. and it's all about roars. So it, I, I don't know. Mouth. It's a word of mouth. The Augusta is the again. It's a it's a mecca of golf. It's the mecca of word of mouth. That's awesome. Because since no one has a phone, everyone has to rely on the board and other people who had just been to that hole that come back and start telling their friends. And then you say, "What? what, what where were you? What did you just see?" So there's just a ton of camaraderie, like especially on Sunday, because you want to know what's going on. Yes, everyone is bought in to sharing knowledge. No one's hiding knowledge from anyone. That's so awesome. and there and most people are like braggadocious towards like. They just saw something on seven. You've been sitting at two all day. This is what I just saw. Can you believe you just missed this type of act? Like that's, oh. that's how they're sharing it. Jeez. And you're sitting there like, okay, yeah, I get it. Thanks for your sharing. Yeah, uh, but thanks for the information. Thanks for the information. I'll ignore your your. Uh, you, you hear the message. The tone <laughs> of it was kind of like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll ignore your tone. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you. So I don't know if it originated with Tiger and his roars, but everyone has a st- st- distinct distinct roar, and you have to try to figure out which what roar is what. So. If we're if Patrick's sitting on two and watching the leaders come through, that means t- Jordan Spieth is like three or four holes ahead of where he currently is, and you hear a roar over on four, which you have no visibility to. So it's like listening to thunder. Like thunder, if it's like if you wait a couple seconds, you know how far away it is, right? Yes. Um. So then, if you like know Spieth's, okay, you have to understand know. the course logistics because you yep. got to be like, okay, roars over there potential that could be f- number four that could be number five tee shot it could be number six something like that so that could be a ricky birdie a jordan birdie a, like it could you be go a- through your list of players right and you're like okay jordan's been getting the loudest roar all day that wasn't that loud that might have been a john rom birdie which people love to see and they love to see birdies but they're not necessarily cheering for john rom in particular right so that was a loud roar but it wasn't loud enough so that's probably john rom or something doesn't doesn't convince me yeah gotcha um that's the funniest part because people are all looking around like, you think that was Jordan? Is Jordan? Because Jordan went minus nine through, I think he was through 12, he was at minus nine. Yeah. Or maybe 13. Unbelievable. And no one no one was necessarily following him right away because he was so far nine back. strokes back to start the day. Yeah. Um, people wanted to see him, so there's a decent amount of people obviously following him, but not the yeah. numbers that you would sup- supposedly see. But he's going deep, and you keep seeing numbers, birdie, birdie, birdie on the scoreboard. And people are going nuts when they post it. Bananas. Like, everyone's turning around, high five, and everyone <laughs> left and right. And we saw on number two, uh, Patrick Reed had the chance to um, bogey. He ended up par, and Rory had the chance to eagle, and that would have been a huge swing. And um, Rory cut it to one. Jordan was in th- within two. It was just wild to start. Like everyone was like, Patrick Reed's going to run away with this. He's got a four-stroke lead going into the day. Like obviously, the Masters is, is not won until the back nine of Augusta on a fr- on a Sunday. And that's and usually it's won or lost on Amen's corner, right? It's won or lost. People like to say it's won or lost at, on number twelve on Amen's corner. Okay. Um, so you started out the day on the front nine and st- watched people go through on mm-hmm. six or where did you watch? People so go I watched Tiger in the morning oh, that's um, right. and try to get as many holes with him, like 
I would start three and four. Then after that, I'd go to seven. I'd always try to stay two holes of the, the mass influx of fans and try to get as close as I could. Yeah. Um, so I did that. And then once the leaders started teeing off, I went to two, watched that with my family. And then um, from two, we went straight to Edmonds Corner and watched everyone come through. Okay. So you were at Amen's Corner the majority of Sunday. Yes. And okay. that's kind of pushed off to the side. So it's the farthest away. It's not the like the heartbeat of the course. So if you're over at Amen's Corner, everything's happening behind you. Okay. And um, so you hear a ton of roars. And that's when it really comes into the play of like, that was happening east. So that must be these holes. It must be Ricky Fowler or something, or something like something. that. Yeah. And there's a giant board in front of you and everyone at Amen's Corner is scoreboard watching while like the people that aren't in contention are coming through. Okay. Like they enjoy seeing the shots and stuff, but once they shoot, eyes go straight to the board and see if like something gets posted. Something gets posted. That's crazy. So we see Jordan through he he went minus 5 through the first 9 and it was incredible. He kept on posting low low numbers. And other people were posting low. Like, Ricky had a decent front nine. I think he was at minus nine through nine. Um, and Patrick Reed was at minus 13. And everything, it, it was it was a tournament coming to Amen's Corner. And we right. knew that, like, this was going to be the chance for players to make a move. And right. Jordan and Ricky both birdied. And Reed bogeyed 11. So Reed was at minus 13. Jordan had birdied 13 at the time. He was at minus 13. Yeah. And Ricky Fowler was at minus 11. John Rahm was at minus 11. Like, players were... In contention. Yeah. And Patrick Reed, beautiful tee shot. People actually started leaving because they wanted to go see Jordan Spieth make their his historic run. Right. And didn't realize that Patrick Reed still had the guts to make moves. Yeah. And my dad and I stayed there and watched Patrick Reed putt like a 30-foot putt left of the hole and sunk that birdie putt on number 12. And I can say from my point of view, my experience, that it truly is the hole where people win or lose because he won that tournament on number 12 and guaranteed that he'd stay in the lead throughout the rest, throughout of, the the rest of the tournament. Okay, so then once you once everyone left Amen's corner, Patrick, you finished 12. Where'd you go from there? From 12, my dad had a sneaky little spot on 14. It's like, it's like in front of these grandstands where you stand, where the rope is, but it, the entrance to that is encompassed by all these trees. Huh. So you really don't know that you can get, you can access this point through this way. Um, so, low-key, if you hear this podcast, truly appreciate this knowledge because this is secretive knowledge. Yeah. Um, 14, we had a great spot and watched him come through there. Patrick and Matthew wanted to follow Ricky to finish. So they left us and started following Ricky. And we wanted to see everyone come through. So we went from 12 to 14 and saw Ricky and Jordan. Not We saw um, Ricky come through and then Patrick Reed come through. And then we hustled over to 17 where I forgot to mention that we put... The two chairs that we had on number two, right when we left number two, we went to 17 and, and put, put the two chairs on front row because no one had been to 17 yet. So those the front rope was wide open. No way. So you, that, And that was like right in the morning, right? Right in the morning. So you were able to sit in those seats. We like, walked up. People were sitting in them when the final three pairs came through. We walked up to him and said, hey, buddy, these are our seats. And he's like, enjoy, and turned around and left. And, like, my dad and I were front rope, like, waiting for the final groups to come through. And that was incredible. And that's when you got that sweet shot, like, on TV. And you, that's the TV You guys shot. just locked in. Yeah. <laughs> um, on Rory's shot. Rory's shot. And Jordan actually had – or, no, Patrick Reed had a sweet two-putt from there. And the place – we ever, ever thought he was going to bogey, and then there would be a playoff. And he um, gutted it out and made a, two, or made a par. And uh, – Two putted. It was incredible. Yeah, because then so then you went from there, and then didn't you like take your chairs back to ten? So the chairs that we had on Amen's corner after fourteen, I brought them to ten, just in chance, just to make sure we had a spot. If there was a playoff, they they go back to eighteen, they play that again, and if they tie eighteen, then they go to number ten. Right. And there was no way we we're going to get chairs on eighteen because everyone's already at eighteen. Correct. Like, that's the place to be. Mm-hmm. So so we sense. we uh, closed the door on that move and said, let's just put them on ten and see what happens. No playoff didn't work out, but if it did, we would have been front row and it would have been another sweet experience. That's so sick. Wow. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, anything else? I, Any final quinky dinks? Final thoughts are: this is an experience. That every, I, I'm, I'm not sexist. I don't want to be sexist. If, if you're a fan of golf, yeah. I should say that. Not. I was going to say male. That's not. That's wrong. That's that's just irrelevant. That's not the right thing to say. Yeah. If sure. you're a fan of golf, um, having the opportunity, if you've presented it, always go. Have to. Have to. Sacrifice. Even if you're um, Greg Ebosher, who 
swings one club a year and never sits down and watch golf. If someone says, hey, you want to go to the Masters, you go. You go. Even if you're not a fan of golf, you go. If, you're, if you like sports, you go. Even if you don't like sports, you probably should If you don't still. like sports, you go. If you have the opportunity, you should go. How about this? If you were born on Earth and, you, and someone says, hey, I have tickets, you go. Yeah. Easy. Easy. Never say no. Never. That's awesome. And make sure you don't run. You wear your hat forwards. You bring in an armless chair and no phones. Simple. Mm-hmm. Simple. It's easy. Be all the rules. Be a formidable patron. Yeah. Just be a patron. Just be a patron. Simple as that. That's awesome. Well, uh, thank you for sharing. Um, that's an experience unlike any other, just to be a patron right there in general. Mm-hmm. Um, watching the Masters is just always fun in general, but nowhere near to the magnitude of what you experienced. So thank you. Yeah, that was a lot. I apologize for going on a few rants, a few rambles. Hopefully you were able to enjoy. That's worth it, though. We yeah. didn't have a guest this week. You're our guest. You're our patron. Dude. Right, we, inter- we didn't interview Andrew and Sarah. We interviewed the patron of, at the Masters. Okay, I like that because I, I That's what it should be. The title of our podcast should be like whatever we make up and then featuring a patron from the Masters. Okay, that's perfect because I felt like I was <laughs> rambling and people are going to be like, all right, he's bragging over here about his Masters experience. Sick, sick brag, sick, man. Yo, when it go to UN, man. Congrats, man. I don't care. Yo, sick Tiger said, hey. You do sick, bro. Yeah, have fun. <laughs> and then, so, I mean, that's obviously in the back of my mind, but I having the platform to share this, and hopefully, someone who um, is not is not able to, who wasn't able to go, has a uh, and a uh, nice experience, like to, like Marlins man. You know, he loves to uh, humble, humble as all get out. Loves to tweet out pictures of where he is to give people who aren't there a visual of what it's like to be there. Yeah. So that's then, what I was. I was the Marlins man in this case. Yeah. Um, super humble about my experience. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Uh, well, you crushed it. I think you're a little bit better than uh, Marlins man. Um, but uh, let's go ahead and wrap up this podcast. Trap the puck. Trap the puck. Officially trapping the puck on this. Um, the patrons podcast. The patrons interview. Um, was just phenomenal. So good work. You Thank crushed you. it. Um, but yeah, let's finish how we always do with a what did we learn and a feel good story um, to get your get you marketing interns um, hitting this week full pace, full go, full send. Um, so to begin with, uh, a what did we learn? I'll start. Um, I haven't talked a lot, but I'll start. <laughs> um, so this one was more of just like a realization. I. It, it blows my mind because we grew up in an era where, like, the internet wasn't that big yet. We grew up in the internet era, but, like, I don't think any of our friends that were little kids went viral. So, like, there is – every week there's a new viral kid. Like, 10 years you're younger, right? The Charlie bit my finger kid who was, like, four years old. This recent Walmart yodeling kid. Like, there's just a million of them. But, like, think about this from, like – a teacher's perspective. This blew my mind. Um, think about... Should we hit the GoPro for recorded run out of battery? It ran out of battery. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. Um, but think about this from like a, like a teacher's first day of school perspective. Like this kid, the yodeling boy, I'll just use him as an example and okay. stick with it for the rest of the time. Please do. For, for the rest of the story. He, he's going to go to class on the first day of like second grade I don't, or let's say fourth grade. He looks a little older. He's going to go to fourth grade class and like... Most people aren't, by the time two years from now, no one's going to know the yodeling Walmart kid anymore unless he like really monetizes it. But what 10 year old kid or what 10 year old parents are going to just monetize the kid? They want to, he wants to be a normal kid. Most Mm -hmm. kids don't get monetized, put it that way. He's going to go into his fourth grade class and he's going to be like, what was your fun fact, uh, Gaby or whatever his name was. And he's like, I was the Walmart yodeling boy. And like, kids are going to lose their minds. Like that's the Walmart yodeling kid or like that's the Charlie bit my finger kid or you know like there are so many people out there and like can you just imagine like having that with you like the rest of your life the kid was in a Walmart yodeling and no one cared like he was just doing that out of the goodness of his heart someone captured on film someone captured on film and he had millions of people he's going on Ellen I'm pretty sure like his whole life just got changed and he's got that for the rest of his life I just think that's so funny like think about when he's like 20 he still has that story, like, yeah, I was the Walmart yodeling kid. Like, everyone's on the internet nowadays. What kid's not going to know or remember that? You that's know what I'm funny. saying? Yeah, that's Like, funny. think about, like, like how crazy. Charlie bit my finger, like. Yeah, think about, that like. That was the first one, I feel like. Right, that was one of the first ones for sure. But, like, think about, like, someone like Shannon, who's, like, on Instagram, on Twitter, like, on social media a lot, and sees these funny videos and, like, takes, like, on, and they're on Barstool, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, like, think about, like, a young teacher and, like. I have the Walmart yodeling kid in my freaking history class. Like, <laughs> there are so many of those kids out there nowadays, and I just think it's so crazy. 
Like, that's the freaking world we live in. That's the world we live in, for sure. That is that is interesting to think about. <laughs> I don't know if that's a what did we learn. Maybe that's what did you think about this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got another thing. What did you think about? Okay. So I saw a video. This is kind of falls into the same theme that you just went on. Okay. And you know the whole thing that people were going on about, about is water wet? Have you heard about that? <laughs> no. Okay, so this Educate was like, me. yeah, this was, I don't know if I was like late to the party, but I'm pretty sure this like happened like a few months ago. Like okay. there was everyone debating like, is water wet? And there was this video that I came up on my feed and I watched and this guy was explaining how water in fact is not wet because water in, it, in itself cannot be wet. It only makes things wet. Like your hands are wet. Yeah, the towel is wet, but if water is applied to water, it is still water. It is not in fact wet. So this he went through this whole like theory of how he believes water is not wet. How long was this video, by the way? Oh, a minute forty. Oh, okay. And um, I thought you were about to say an hour. Like, no, wow. minute forty. Sure. Easy, easy video to watch. Uh, just Google is is water wet on YouTube, and this video will come up. And uh, I watched it, and I I was dying. How like people were d- debating this English phrase, like just terminology. Wet. Yeah. wet. It like is is water wet and like I was talking to Faith about it last night and she truly believes that water is wet and I was trying to say no like I believe water cannot be wet it is already water I think it's a it's a modifier right it's like a wet is like an adjective isn't mm-hmm. it yeah so yeah like you have wet hands because there's water on them it's yeah. not like wet isn't a physical property yeah if fire is burning it's sh- it's not burnt. I'm not going to debate that. I, okay. don't, I don't know. Sure. You know who we need to get on to confirm this, though? John Abraham? Yeah. Let's get John Abraham on. He I'm can gonna, confirm or deny. I'm going to shoot him a text in the next couple of days. We'll we'll get some scheduled. So, mm-hmm. marketing interns, is water wet? Is fire burnt? You'll uh, get the answer. I don't know. I, I believe water is not wet. Okay. I, I'm i with you on that. Cool. Okay. Trap uh, the puck? Yeah. Trap the puck. Okay. Um, feel good story. I have, uh, just for the marketing interns, I have, I wrote this, um these notes for our podcast um probably like six days ago um my feel-good story was tiger winning the masters so do we want to go with that um tiger did 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 his job did his job but, and, and but we did another we did we definitely need a different feel-good story right yeah we okay. do okay. uh feel-good story of the week is going to have to be um this upcoming uh week i'm gonna I'm just going to promote. Okay. Promote. Okay. Because. Sure. Hey, there you go. This, this, we're going to take this opportunity to make it known. I mean, we've already pu- published this on social media, but our feel-good story is uh, we're doing a live show, and we want all our marketing interns to put out and come and watch us be goofballs because this is going to be a truly, a truly strikes and gutters, trial and error, ebbs and flows moment. Yeah. I, we've never done it in a live show before. I I mean my public speaking skills have gotten better significantly since the podcast, um, but we've never done a show in front of maybe more than two people. Yeah. Um, we usually we don't have to be responsible for the things we say because if we do slip up or say something stupid, then we just bleep it out. We yeah. just cut it out. Um, and we've gotten we've gotten better about that, but we've never. This is going to be wild, mm-hmm. and I think for the people who listen to this show, we'll get a lot of. A lot of just fun out of watching us um, perform. I guess it is a performance at an this entertainment point. Performance. An entertainment performance. But and like you said, Andrew, we need all the marketing interns there um, because there's going to be a lot more people there that have no idea who we are and what we're about. We do a pretty good – I think we are getting better at niching down and getting people to understand, like, what we are. And it's going to it's gonna be a culmination of everything. This is the one shining moment to prove that we've niched down. Yeah. So if if we don't, they won't understand who we are. They'll, if we do, they'll be like, I like these guys. Or I know what these guys are about. Yeah. And I, our attire is not going to tell them that. Our facial – like what we what we look like isn't yeah. going to tell them like oh these guys are music performers because they have guitars and pianos. Mm-hmm. No, we're literally bringing the table and what we have behind us and this mic into the into this open space, and we have to educate people and get people to know who we are through what we talk about. Mm-hmm. But the marketing interns are so key because they can educate all these people around us, and it's like going to the masters. You you came in and went under John and Sarah's wing, and he told you and or helped you figure out the way the the way of the land. Right? Yeah. There are certain rules to being a marketing intern that people need to identify and understand how to fit into that mold. Yep. So for everyone there on Thursday, we'll see you there. 
Get locked in. It's going to be a hell of a time. I'm excited. I know you guys are excited. So let's get after it. Let's have a great week. We'll see you Thursday. Take care. Take care.